This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to... We're watching here! We're watching here! This is Opinionated Movie Talk with Chris and Perry. My name is Chris Williams. With me as always, he is the Gary Oldman to my Bill Nye, Perry Cyber. <laughs> All right. I, I, as long as it's not the Gary Oldman from the professional we're in, I can live with this. I'm good with this. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it is. Um, nope. It, it, and it is the Bill Nye for me who is not from the movie we're going to discuss today, but angry Bill Nye on Twitter. So uh, which is <laughs> has quickly become my favorite Bill Nye. Um, <laughs> You may have guessed, today we are talking about David Fincher's new film, Mank, which is available on Netflix. Before we do that, though, Perry, what have you been watching? It's been a drought in 2020, Chris, as we all know. It's like, you know, we haven't gotten the rain. The cinematic flow is not what it should be. Things trickle out. And I have honestly seen, you know, nothing that I've gotten super crazy about or been like, oh, that's superb. That's something that's going to live with me for the rest of my life. I'm eager to go back to this. But it kind of happened recently. <laughs> okay. Um, I, uh, y- y- you know me. We've done this long enough. I like it that we're talking about this film uh, in when we're going to do an episode that's about a movie about a writer. Um, I'm fond of writerly movies. I have no problem with movies based on plays. I like to watch actors speak really good dialogue. And I had an utter blast with John Patrick Shanley's Wild Mountain Time. Uh, this is glorious to me. I loved this movie uh, unreservedly <laughs> and unapologetically from beginning to end. Uh, it's out now. It's creeping around the country. I think you can buy it at Amazon to rent or you can buy it or rent it at Amazon. Uh, if you are a fan of Shanley's work, by all means, watch it. And uh, if you aren't, you know, probably watch Moonstruck first. Make sure this is your cup of tea. And then once you get past all the uh, the Italian story of love, go check out his his Irish story about love. And boy, with a name like John Patrick Shanley, you know he knows what he's talking about. Well, I have not seen Wild Mountain Time. Um, I have heard reactions to Wild Mountain Time, and uh, I'm I, I'm glad to see you're you're standing up for what you believe. Uh, I believe this was a movie the. Uh, Irish Leprechaun Museum called a bit much. Yes, <laughs> but but I also I mean John pa- what I cannot get that right. Uh, William Patrick Shanley, right? No, John Patrick. John Patrick. Patrick Shanley. I was right the first time. It. I I really liked um the what was it Joe versus the volcano. His first the first movie he directed. Yes. Yeah, and I know a lot of people don't care for that one, and I enjoyed that one quite a bit. Didn't he also do Doubt? Uh, again, adapted from his play. Okay, yes, those right. are the only two other films he's directed. This is only his third in all in thirty years, basically. All right. Well, I like both of those. I like Irish things. I'm Irish, so <laughs> you then uh, I, I I it is so beautifully written. It is so beautifully acted. Uh, it knows exactly what it is, and I'm not saying that to indicate that it knows it's something lesser. It knows exactly what it is. <laughs> um, 
uh, if I, I, I would hope that the, the, the tone of it is magical enough that you will not be thrown off by Christopher Walken's incredibly Brooklyn sounding Irish accent that is variable, but I don't care because I'm not in the real world here. This is not, <laughs> he delivers the lines beautifully. I don't care. He doesn't have the accent pitch perfect every time. Uh, and the one, the, his really big scene is, is, is perfectly executed. Uh, it's nice to know that Jamie Dornan can actually act. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? I didn't. I know now. And, you know, who doesn't want to see Emily Blunt in everything? Absolutely. She's fantastic in this. It's it's a really enjoyable movie. Well, you know what? My wife is big into Irish things, um, so that might be something that around St. Patrick's Day we're going to have to dial up and uh, just kind of revel in that. Because I trust you, and I trust John Patrick San- Shanley, and uh, so maybe I'll give that a look. I, I would encourage you to. Good. You specifically. Anybody. <laughs> but yes, knowing you, you specifically. All right. Well, that that might be added to the list. And it's not like I'm about to class things up here, Perry. Uh, <laughs> because as I was trying to think, I've seen a lot lately. We are, even though this is a weird year, this has been a very busy screener season um, where we have gotten, I don't know if you, you've gotten the same deluge, but I feel like every day there is another screener that I suddenly have a five minute window. Will they'll, they'll let me watch it. <laughs> they, they, oh, they yeah. expire so quickly and I'm rushing to keep on track of everything. Um, but really, I mean, this is our episode that's going to air right before Christmas. I felt like I needed to go with a Christmas movie, Perry. So um, I'm a big fan of Christmas movies. Are you? Uh, it depends. <laughs> okay. Bad ones really piss me off. So, no, I don't want to watch any Christmas movie, but good ones are great. Yes. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I saw this year's Christmas offering um, and, and it answered a question that I've I've wanted to see for a long time. There have been many, <laughs> many actors who have played Santa Claus and have done it very well. We've had Ed Asner. <laughs> we've had Richard Attenborough. But, you know, I think the one person we've always wanted to see play Santa, a jolly old man who loves people from all over the world, is Mel Gibson. Of course. Um, Of course. (laughs) I I saw Fat Man recently. Um, this This is a action movie that posits that Santa Claus has been funded by the U.S. government for years because him making toys somehow helps to spur people to buy around the holidays. Um, And he's kind of grizzled and he lives up north with his wife and his elves make all, you know, make, make their toys still, but he's, you know, kids are not believing. So he's, yeah, he's falling on hard times and the government is pressuring him to take a military contract. Um, and about the same time that he's wrestling with this change and, and getting too old for all this Kringle stuff, uh, he gives coal to the wrong boy, a spoiled rich kid who decides his only recourse is to hire a Santa-obsessed hitman played by Walton Goggins to kill Santa Claus. Perry, this is like Fox News made a Christmas movie. (laughs) And the thing is, it depends how seriously the directors are taking this as to whether I like the movie or not. And I think (laughs) there's enough going on in this. There's enough winks with the world building and the tone of this to make me think they get the joke. And as weird and 
bizarre, same thing, but is this movie get? I kind of liked Fat Man. Um, the, <laughs> this is... <laughs> the movie or the character? Uh, yes. I'm, I'm... Yes. Um, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, Mel Gibson appeared on Jimmy Kimmel's show and did a trailer for a gritty reboot of Colonel Sanders. Um, okay. And this is basically that type of idea taken to two hours. Um, it, it's basically <laughs> a goof on this whole idea of these dark, gritty reboots of things that should not be dark and gritty. I would argue Santa should not be a thing that is dark and gritty. Um, and it, it it plays this joke so deadpan that I have to believe they're in on it. I mean, he's got an army of elves, but they're still ar- they still feed themselves on sugar. Um, Walter Walton, Walton Goggins is a character who is obsessed with tracking down toys from Santa's workshop because he never Santa never brought his mom and dad back for Christmas. Like this movie knows <laughs> exactly what it's doing, and it just steers into this whole dark, stupid joke. Um, and Mel Gibson, who is by all accounts a trash human in in his real life he knows exactly how to play this like he's he's a lot of fun to watch as just a santa who is just kind of grizzled and upset because people just don't believe anymore and <laughs> and it's just fun watching him play off walton goggins who just plays this right down the middle um it's it's fun and i i like the I, the world building that takes place they've thought put a lot of thought into what it would be like if Santa was common knowledge that, you know, it was just accepted. He's real. He's bringing you gifts. Parents buy, you know, the stuff that isn't as good as what Santa brings. And, um, yeah, if you, if you can get on its wavelength, it's, it's fun. Um, I, I don't, I don't blame anyone who looks at this and says, it's not my thing. I don't like it, but I had a good time with this. After hearing about it, I, I, I thought I only want to see this, written and directed by dogma era kevin smith (laughs) like that seems like the exact right tone i need for this to work and i don't expect that tone to be there (laughs) but yeah i'd 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 probably turn this on i don't know that i'd finish it but i'd I'd turn this on i'd give it a look yeah sure of course i would it's fun it's it's fun trash and um it's trash that that knows exactly what it is which it made it enjoyable i was on my i was on the couch with a bad foot there there were far worse ways to spend my time probably far better ones too but i i would i i'm reminded and i don't know that i've ever talked about this uh here so i i would like to bring up since we i, I think this is the first time we've ever talked in any real detail about mel gibson uh I, with peacock uh now available for free uh and uh, on roku and all other devices i would encourage you if you've never seen it to check out the episode of saturday night live he hosted because for my money, he delivers the funniest monologue I've ever seen anyone deliver on that show. Really? And it, it and with this caveat, it's a straight monologue. He has written a speech and he delivers it to perfection, and it's hilarious. It's really well done, and uh, it is always uh, as as problematic as it is to like him. I I I I I I, I still hold a very <laughs> soft spot for him for. For that entire the entire episode is really good, but that monologue is really special. I, I think it's just an excellent piece of performance and writing that 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 that, that doesn't get talked about. 
I will have to track that down because I, I do find him when he was in his, you know, in his peak, he he was always very funny. He had this kind of just kind of devilish humor that I liked, and he did an episode of The Simpsons where he played himself, and I I, I always thought that one was really funny. I always come back to the line where he's talking about how hard it is to be him because it's hell being Mel, and uh, <laughs> you. You will love this monologue. I will check I, that I, out. I, I, please do so. Well, we're going to move from one Christmas movie to the next with that uh, Yuletide classic that just hit Netflix, Mank. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, this is David Fincher's latest movie. David Fincher is someone we've talked about a lot on here, Perry. Uh, we've we've done full episodes about two of his movies. Um. Seven and Fight Club. We've both dedicated full episodes to. Uh, I talked about him in our Aaron Sorkin episode. I had uh, just rewatched Social Network. Uh, so this seemed like a uh, a natural one for us to do because we both really like Fincher's work. Um, a movie about the making of Citizen Kane sounded kind of right up our alley. Uh, Perry, why don't you kick off? Were you excited about Mank? And what did you think of it? Like, what was your impression? <laughs> I was very intrigued by Mank. I, I mean, I was excited because it's David Fincher. I wasn't more excited than I would have been by any other David Fincher project. Um, it is uh, – here's the thing. <laughs> I have no understanding of how this will play for anybody who doesn't already kind of know this time period or at least have something more than a passing interest in it. I think, I think it assumes a lot of knowledge. <laughs> which is not to say that it, it, it requires it. You know what I mean? It'll play even if you've never heard of these people. Although if you've never heard of these people, I don't know why you're watching this. <laughs> um, and I, I, I had that feeling throughout. I was never, uh, it, it is not an all encompassing experience as some feature films are. Um, there's a very weird decision he makes <laughs> that I'm sure we'll get into <laughs> that constantly pulls you out of any attempt to be in the movie. Um, and so I found myself asking over and over, well, why this, which I've never thought before from Fincher. I'm like, what, why this? And then, you know, you, you see the name on the screenplay credit and it's Jack Fincher mm -hmm. and it, it was his father and that this was going to be the film he was going to do after the game, but didn't. And uh, 20 years later, Netflix threw him the money to make it. And so he did. And so then I realized, well, gosh, here's arguably I, I don't want to I don't want to I don't, you know, you make the case. This is this is easily unarguably one of the finest directors we have who has made an absolutely loving tribute to a screenwriter. So, you know, <laughs> out of a screenplay that was written by his own father. So I was stuck at the end of this as, gosh, for the first time ever, David Fincher's made a personal movie. <laughs> like this, this feels like something from his heart, which is not a feeling you've ever gotten from David Fincher. <laughs> that's not what he does. And that's really weird because like Fincher, it's, it's, you know, like Fincher films, it's, it's cold. It's mm -hmm. cerebral. It is not, you know, it does not reach out to you. <laughs> You're just supposed to sit there and take it in and pay attention, and it's worth doing so. I, 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 I enjoyed it. I think it's really good, and I think it's really good because it is this 
very weird detour for Fincher. Um, I, I, like I said, I just don't, it feels, it feels very personal and almost insular, but not, I, it, it's, it's, it's approachable. <laughs> you can watch it. I just don't, I don't feel like he made it for anybody other than himself. And I've never gotten that impression from any other Fincher film. I think he's always one. I think he's always got, uh, while he while he will never do anything he doesn't want to do, I think he keeps a, a very close eye on how things will play for an audience, and I think that was of far less interest to him this time around. Yeah, I I can't imagine, for instance, my dad sitting down to watch this movie and getting much out of it. Uh, I guarantee my dad has not seen Citizen Kane, um, and he doesn't want to watch a movie about you know Louis B. Mayer and um, William Randolph Hearst and. And the political, you know, the political climate of Hollywood in the 1930s, um, it's it's very much, I, I think it, like, you're right, it does play to anyone who's just watching without much knowledge of that. I also agree that I don't know why they would tune in if, you know, if they didn't have any knowledge or interest in that. Um, but I, I think it's a very... It's one of those stylistic exercises too. Fincher likes to do where he likes to kind of play with the visuals and he treats it. He makes it as an homage to a movie that would have been made about the same time as Citizen Kane. And and sometimes with shots that overtly reference Citizen Kane. And, you know, I I don't know that that always adds a ton. You know, it reminds you of Citizen Kane. It, It kind of gets in conversation, but I don't know that that's thematically tied to too much, but I thought it was fun. Um, I assume, are you talking about the stylistic choice of the cigarette burns or yeah, that, that does, <laughs> does kind of take you out of it. And it, it just feels like a little winky joke. Um, but I, but I don't he keeps it up. Yeah. Throughout. It's not once it's every, I'm assuming it's every time there would have been a real change because why wouldn't it, if it's David Fincher? Yeah. And it is one of those things, though. It's not even a one-to-one. It's not like he went back and it, like the black and white is not even the same type. It wasn't shot on black and white film. It wasn't shot on film, right? Right. So it's not. <laughs> it's not like he said, "I'm going to make a film the same way they made Citizen Kane." It's him exactly. using the tools he has now to make a film that homages that. And I don't know that there's more of a reason between besides he wanted to do that and pull it off and. I enjoyed watching that. I don't know that it adds a ton, but it was definitely enjoyable for me. Um, but I, I do think you're right too. This is this is a movie he made because he could, because you know he has a really good relationship with Netflix. Uh, with Mindhunter was a a good little hit for them, and they're House willing of cards before it. House of Cards. You're right, um, and he, uh, you know, they're willing to support him. Um, and it, it's that's that's kind of the time where you can take that money and say, okay, I've had this little passion project. My dad wrote this script. I've wanted to honor him by doing this, and I'm I'm just going to do it. One for me, and he doesn't have to worry about how many people see it because that's not what Netflix cares about. They they care that it is content to keep people signing up. Um, but I also think there's something interesting in it too because this is this is a movie about one of the threads is how the studios are you know kind of under the thumb willing to play willing to play nice with uh you know with Hearst and and media agencies and it's taking place at this time where right now mm-hmm. studios are being bought out by media companies i mean we 
we can do a whole discussion sometime about HBO and being under the thumb of AT&T and where where does that lead? And I don't know that he ever ties those threads together, but it definitely came up because, you know, Mankiewicz is given, um, you know, carte blanche, no studio oversight. There's, you know, do what he wants. Uh, Fincher's given Wells that. is given that. Wells is given that. You're right. You're right. Wells is given that. Okay. <laughs> But but it does feel like there's kind of a, there's part of it that's a dig at the studio, um, but I don't th- I don't know how tightly that ties into. I, it's a movie that I think is always interesting to watch. I had trouble tying the threads to anything too concrete because I don't think it's necessarily a movie he made to make a statement, but a movie he made for the joy of making it. Yeah, and out of I think I think I think it's a giant love letter to his father. Mm-hmm. I, I can think of no other. I, like I said, it's it's like we were saying, it's not. It's it, it doesn't come out and get. It's it's not a crowd pleaser. Not that it's bad in any way. I really enjoyed it, and it's not a chore. I mean, it's, no, it is no. it is it is, a, it is fun to watch. I'm just trying. Yeah, we're just, both of us have said we're trying to figure out what is. I, I don't know who sees this who doesn't already know how they feel about this uh, and if you don't okay great maybe it'll get you to read on if you don't know you know if all you know about marion davies is that she was william randolph randolph Hearst's longtime longtime lover and associate then yes you'll learn some things that everybody should know but once you dig one layer deeper than that and if you're a film buff you do <laughs> you, you kind of know this already uh, which is not to say it isn't a pleasure to watch. Amanda Seyfried is really good yes, she as Marion Davies. And she's good in the way that Marion Davies was good. If you've never seen the early Marion Davies uh, stuff before she was her girlfriend, she's very good. Comedian, comedic actress. Very good on screen. Uh, and Seyfried has that here. It's really it's it's a pleasure to watch. The script is funny. There's lots of really good comedy in the movie. There's lots of really good writing, and like like you were saying, it does draw really interesting parallels to right now, both studio politics and politics in general. And I'm curious how much how much David wrote <laughs> rewrote his father, who's had been who's passed away almost twenty years. Uh, you know, all these years later, in order to give it a little goose for right now. I list, I saw a quote recently from Fincher that said, uh, he talked about, um, so the, at the interview asked him or pointed out that he'd never taken a writing credit. And he said, my mom was a writer. I watched what writers do. I can't do that. I know I can't do that. <laughs> I have far too much respect for writers to say that I do that. And so whether that's, you know, whether that's a lovely piece of false modesty from David Fincher <laughs> or the truth, uh, either way, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like writers have been on his mind as of late. Well, it definitely, too, like, I noticed the script, the uh, the dialogue is so sharp. It's it's very funny dialogue. Um, almost every word Gary Oldman gets to say is very funny. Um, and, and I did have the thought, I'm like, you know, if my dad wrote a script and I was making that, I don't know that my dad's script would have turned out that good. Uh, so I was wondering, <laughs> like, what was there any help with this? Did he have a writer help polish it off i i don't really care because the end result is it's a good clever screenplay um and and i think it's also a very like 
it, it, it's the whole Citizen Kane of it all provides its structure, but this isn't necessarily a movie about Citizen Kane. That's not at all. That's, that's the structure. And I've seen a lot of arguments about, well, you know, this is just, you know, Pauline Kael's raising Kane. It's just that. And that's been debunked. I'm like, I don't think the movie really cares who wrote Citizen Kane. Um, that's, that's what you hang this story on. And the story is this, you know, it's a very, um, very, entertaining story about a man who goes you know a talented journalist who goes to hollywood and he doesn't take it seriously at all there's there's a great scene it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie is that opening scene where they're they're pitching the paramount horror movie and and it's just so so obvious and that they they don't know it they've been goofing off the whole time and they can just you know spin it this thing off the top of their heads and they they know exactly what to say to the execs to get them to green light it and it's so much fun to watch but it is this guy who goes to hollywood he doesn't take it seriously he doesn't really think there's you know the movies are saying anything and he he begins to see that the movies do have a power that can be manipulated and he begins to watch as that, you know, is is the thumb is pressed down on studios and they become implicit in being able to kind of shape people's opinions and shape elections. And what is his response to that when he finally, you know, it's that it's it's the traditional, you know, he he grows a conscience. He may, he takes revenge, you know, through his screenplay. Yeah. And, you know, that's a story that isn't original necessarily, but it's hell of a lot of fun to watch um i I did sit there i watched this just last weekend and i sat there after watching it and and i was kind of wrestling with it and i'm like you know this is i don't think this really hits me too deeply it 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 doesn't you know it's not saying a ton that i haven't seen done before and and does that bother me and i think i came with no it doesn't because these surface pleasures are so much fun to watch yeah. Um Oldman is so much fun. I, I like I, I wanna know how drunk he was when he made this movie because it's very <laughs> convincing. <laughs> and Mank was a drunk of the highest order. Mank drank that is well known. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, yes, he was. It, he's he's really good in this. Um Amanda Seyfried, uh but there's just a whole like supporting cast. Like um I and I'm blanking as I bring up the supporting cast. Uh but it's really, you know, the, the people that get to bring to life, you know, these these figures who, if you followed Hollywood history, you know, the name Irving Thalberg is going to ring a bell. Uh, it, it, you know, um, Louis David B. Mayer, Selznick. David Selznick. Uh, it, and it, it, man, it manages to make them people without making them, you know, it's a caricature. They, it's a very fun cast to watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, uh, it, it, it. It plays. <laughs> yeah. It absolutely plays. Um, and I agree. I don't think it's, it, it's, it's, again, it's, it's such a weird thing. I sound like I don't like it as much as I do as I talk about it with people, <laughs> which is always frustrating. Cause it's like, this is, this is good. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly good. Uh, it is. I, I'm trying to figure out what, you know, this is the longest he's gone between feature films. Since he started making feature films, it's been six years since Gone Girl, uh, you know. So I, I'm stuck with, well, why, why this? And that, as I said, I've come back to. I just, I just think it's truly personal for him, because there's nothing about Mindhunter that was incredibly personal. It's brilliant, <laughs> and the last two before this were both, you know, 
uh, adaptations of very popular novels, both of which I liked a great deal, both the books and the movies that he made out of them. Uh, and so it's interesting that, you know, the last two seem so impersonal to be these adaptations. And then for him to take this script of his father's from a sheer, you know, from a sheer auteurist standpoint, I find the film utterly fascinating, which makes it hard to recommend to someone who doesn't <laughs> care and just wants to see a good movie. I, I don't know how that'll play for you. I think it'll play fine, but it's not going it, to, I don't think it'll, yeah, I don't think it'll break down anybody's world. I also think all this stuff about comparing it, calling it the same thing as the Pauline Kael book is is uh, does a disservice to the movie it doesn't at all it's not about the making of citizen kane it's about the writing of citizen kane and herman mankowitz wrote citizen kane that's there's no doubt about that <laughs> and the the you know the fight in the movie is is he going to get credit mm -hmm. it's not about it's not about what he wrote is in the movie or not it's about is he going to get screen credit which is a whole different thing and i, I so i find that to be utterly facile and lazy for people who from some people who should know better well, <laughs> about film history and about film criticism it's like that's not that's not what this is about at all this is not joining in on that fray because like we said before that fray is settled <laughs> yeah no one believes that menkowitz and only menkowitz wrote citizen kane <laughs> he didn't but he sure gave him the blueprint <laughs> and it's a lot of manx words there which is readily apparent if, if if you are familiar with Mankiewicz's work, it's obviously Mankiewicz's work. It's also Wells's. That's why film is lovely. It's a collaborative medium. Well, and I think if anyone is familiar with uh, Citizen Kane, David Fincher's probably familiar with Citizen Kane. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he has a lot in common with a perfectionist director um, from, from everything I've read about Fincher. I, I don't think he like this. This is the hook to put the story on. This is how he structures the story. But the the meat of the story actually has to do with the things I see people complaining about, which is too much politics, too much politics. And I think. That's so vital is the way Mank watches as MGM, you know, creates these th these political ads, basically, that that bring in people and create a false reality to sway the vote and how that jades him to the system or, you know, makes him realize, hey, this thing I've been laughing off, there is a power to it that can be twisted that people yeah. are twisting like that to me. That's the meat of the movie is this guy who you know, kind of laughs off whatever impact he could have and then sees, oh, there's an impact and it can go either way. That's that's the uh, heart to this movie. And that's what I found most fascinating. I, I thought yeah. the Citizen Kane is a perfectly fine narrative It's to, to attach it to. I mean, Citizen Kane is a movie that has endless stories about it. It's worth discussing. It's a great movie. But this movie is about Citizen Kane just as an entry point. And um, yeah, I, I think there's so much more there yeah. than the Citizen Kane stuff. Um, oh, absolutely. And yeah, I, I I think there's more there, but I also think it's, you know, there's more there that I don't think he quite ties to anything. It, it, it This movie doesn't go super deep into those issues of politics and, you know, how Hollywood is the place where everyone sells their morals um, and integrity. It, it, that stuff is all there. It's been done before in different movies. And I think the thing I struggled with is when you look back at Fincher's career, you have a director who in three decades has made one of the most definitive movies of each of those decades, right? Between seven, <laughs> between 
Zodiac and between um, social, social network. network, social network. And I think it's impossible to see that there's a new David Fincher movie coming. It's not attached to a book or previous IP and not attach those expectations to it. And that's, I think where I got hung up is especially having watched the social network less than a month ago going, all right, this is next. This is, this is a new decade. It's time for him to give us a, uh, a new piece of greatness. And instead he gives us, a very good film. And yeah. I'm thankful to have a very good film that is on Netflix that I enjoyed watching. That is extremely entertaining, well acted. He's very playful with his direction. Uh, there are knowing winks to Citizen Kane that if you've seen the movie, you know what he's doing. If you've seen the movie once, you're going to get you know some of what he's doing. And he's playing it at that level a lot of times. It's not super deep cuts all the time when it comes to Citizen Kane. It's, it's there on the surface. And then there's this other story in there that I think he's more interested in. And it's not super great, but it's not bad at all. I, it it is one of the most enjoyable films I've seen this year. (laughs) With the caveat that yes, it's been such an odd year. Yes. (laughs) No, you know, I'm not even going to caveat that with this. This has been, I've had a great year of watching movies. Um, so I, I think I mean I I didn't this I, I have a preliminary top ten list and this just misses that. There were a few I liked a little more, but this is a very entertaining movie and it would you know, it it was in contention for that. Not because it's saying anything deep. I don't think that's always necessary. It's just extremely fun to watch. Yeah. Even if you don't know this stuff, like like we've been saying, it you don't need to have seen Citizen Kane to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Those, those you're not re- those references aren't going to help you understand the movie any better. They are just there because Fincher's figured out how to do them, <laughs> and that's why they're there. And they work. They, I mean, they 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 don't they don't stop the movie or anything. They are these wonderful little throwaways. And uh, and yeah, it, it's I agree with you. It's it's a good movie. It's nice to see that good movies are being made. Yeah. <laughs> it is. That's what it is. It's a good movie. And and I would suggest if you have seen this movie and you haven't seen Citizen Kane, this is a perfect way for you to realize, oh, (laughs) I should watch Citizen Kane because I think there is still a contingent out there that thinks watching Citizen Kane is eating their vegetables. And that that is a movie that still plays so well. I I saw it. I've seen it about three years ago. It was the last time I saw it. And, it just it it plays it feels very modern even today um it, you know so if this gets some people to flip over from netflix to hbo max and watch citizen kane great <laughs> um because it is streaming on hbo max and um indeed so do we have anything else to say about uh about mank i think we covered it well i i think we had a lot in the mank bank so uh <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'll avoid riffing on that rhyme. Okay. All right. Uh, and I am curious. I, I Fincher has this habit with me where he will do a movie that I feel is sometimes just him kind of working something out of his system. And usually those are the movies I don't like as much. And I, inter- I enjoyed this one a, quite a bit. But then he usually follows that up with something really that i like a lot so you know the game is not a movie i care for much at all but i think he got you know that kind of straight laced studio thriller out of him and then kind of went and did the craziness of fight club right after that um (laughs) i didn't really like benjamin button much at all 
And then he did Social Network right after that. So, you know, I, I have a feeling he's working some things out. And hopefully the next thing he does is something I like even more than this. And if I like it just as much as I like this, that's great, too. Yeah, I'm curious what script will inspire him next. I'm curious Since if we know he isn't directing this stuff himself. He is, he is not he has he is not generating this stuff on his own. I am very glad he stayed away from there was that uh that thread for a bit where he was really serious about doing World War Z part 2 with with Brad Pitt. <laughs> and I remember he there were stories all over and I was like I don't want to see David Fincher wasted on World War Z part 2. No, see, but for me I uh, see, th- th- we, <laughs> not that we need to <laughs> relitigate the Fincher filmography, but for me, I love it when he does stuff like that. I like it when he, I like it when he plays with genre conventions. I I love Panic Room. I I wish more really good directors would make would make classic B films like that. I I think Panic Room is really great, and I I know there's a re- I remember they saw uh. Uh, there was a recent interview with Soderbergh somewhere where, and he and Fincher are very, are, I, they are friends or they are certainly, they are certainly colleagues that are tight with each other. And he is, they, they share a lot. They're different, but they share a lot. And I remember them asking him, what's your favorite Fincher film? And he said, the one I keep going back to is panic room. Cause I don't know how he did that. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of agree. I, I, and so I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind World I, – I, I never saw the first World War Z. I would totally see a sequel that David Fincher directed. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, first off, I will clarify. I do enjoy Panic Room quite a bit. Um, that that was one of the most fun experiences I've had watching a, a thriller was sitting in there watching when she knocks the lamp off the wall at one scene. And my entire <laughs> yeah. theater – all at once just gasped like you could hear the air just being sucked in so i i do like panic room quite a bit um i also have seen world war z and um i think that's the bigger influence is oh i've seen world war z and right right yeah we don't need more world war z but i also say i've read the book (laughs) world war z and there is enough of an interesting idea if someone wanted to do that right the way it was supposed to be done. Um, but that that's that's for our Halloween episode is, uh, you know, exactly. way, ways to Precisely. ways to reboot um, World War Z. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that, that'll be our most our most uh, interesting and downloaded episode ever. Um, one other thing I want to talk about is uh, this is the second film this season I've seen. Uh, with Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross doing the score. Yes. And every time they do a score for a movie, I love it. I've also loved their uh, score for Watchmen, HBO's Watchmen last year. Um, and it's it's so much fun. They're just, you know, kind of playing up the old movie score. But I love that soundtrack that old movies used to have where everything was super dramatic. And uh, it, it's so much fun to listen to. I... um. I, I, I have a lot of bad history with Trent Reznor, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I won't talk a lot about Trent Reznor, but yes. Okay. He is a very talented composer for film with Atticus Ross. Yes, he is. Um, I will also say they do the soundtrack, the score for uh, Soul, which comes out Christmas Day. And to uh, hear that one and this one and the Watchmen one all back to back, if you listen to that, that, that is quite an experience. So uh <laughs> just just another uh, I, I I love it when they pop up in movies doing that. So 
Perry, where can people find you online? People can hear me every Friday on WLBY 1290 AM in Ann Arbor on the Lucian Lance Show. You can often hear me these days at Cathode Ray Mission, the podcast. Uh, we just recently did an episode where we went through all of the films of Paul Thomas Anderson. That was a pleasure. And, uh, and you, you know, someday you'll find me in the third row of the movie theater again. <laughs> you can find me at... Uh... Mere Christianity on Twitter. Um, you can also read my weekly newsletter, which is criticisms.substack.com, and I will put a link in the show notes. Uh, I occasionally do another podcast called Cross Culture Critic. We haven't done it in about a month or so, but we're probably about due. And uh, I was recently on uh, our buddy Nate Adams' podcast, Picks and Pans, along with uh, fellow local critics Monty Lee Stormer and Michelle Kisner. We were talking about the hbo max uh announcement from a few weeks ago uh that was a fun little episode to do so if you track that down give it a listen uh otherwise newsletter is the best way to reach me perry we will be back in two weeks for our year-end wrap-up uh, which i think is going to be very interesting this year i think so yes indeed all right thank you all for listening